Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, did you stay up last night? Or most of it. How's that? Most of it? Well, uh, all the scoring. How's that? My wife thought I'd be asleep by halftime. It was not It was nice of them to make it a blowout so you could go to bed early. You could have, uh, but of course I stayed up. <laughs> don't you wish that the, the Thursday night games were like 7 o'clock? I wish all games were 7 o'clock. <laughs> but that's because I'm much older now, apparently, and can't stay up that's right. past like 10.30 to watch a game. Welcome to the old side. Yeah, what happened? That's man? right. How did this happen to this, me? This is what happens on the other side of the hill. How did that happen? All of a sudden, it's like game is at 9 o'clock, and I'm like falling asleep. That's right. All right, but before we get into the Eagles game, we do want to go to a little baseball. Uh, we are joined on air by Todd Zalecki of MLB.com. Todd, uh, I saw a weather forecast with Jeff. I hope you brought some warm clothes out there to Milwaukee. I, I definitely did. But, you know, the good news is that they got the roof here, so shouldn't be too bad. It's like it in the 40s all right. outside there? Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, got a little chilly. It was by, actually about 80 here the other day, and then it got, all of a sudden it got ridiculous, ridiculously cold. It's, but uh, it's all good. It's postseason baseball weather. Exactly, exactly. So most of the division series, they weren't that competitive. None of them went to the fifth and deciding game. Before we get started, Jeff and I have complained a little bit about the current playoff format, the one game stop, the you know the breaks. What are your thoughts on the current format? I just don't think it's conducive to fans at times. Honestly, I mean, honestly, I, I, I kind of like the, you know, I, I like the, um, the one and done wild card game. It, it gives a lot of incentive to the, to, to win the division um, kind of forces teams to keep fighting. And, and, and again, it gives them more incentive to kind of keep going and to win the division and in terms of the days off in between. I mean, it's, there's really not much you can, you can do about that scheduling wise. Uh, you know, you have to have built in travel days there um, and you have to, you know, just get everything set up logistically in terms of TV crews and trucks and, and all that. So, um, I mean, I, in, in my opinion, it's kind of the best they can do. And in terms, you know, like you know, both of these series were you know sweeps or best, you know, Dodgers won in four. It's just tough to move those things up, I guess. I'm I'm with you on the playoff, the wild card game. It's that one game one sixty three. I thought it was a little unfair to, especially the Brewers. The Brewers ended up with the best record and home field advantages, but they had to blow a pitcher early. Is there any talk within the league about next year? making it that there's tiebreakers instead of having this game 163? I don't think so. And I tell you what, I think, I, I think that, um, and I think it's because just the drama involved of that, you know, the Dodgers and the Rockies had a game 163, the Brewers and the Cubs had a game 163. And I think TV ratings wise, and just fan interest wise, it was cool uh, to have a one-game playoff to decide the division, and I mean, it was there was a lot online. You know, it's like if you lose this game, now you have to play. Now you have to play the next day in another one and done, and and then if you win that one, then you have to go play a, a well-rested divisional winner. Um, and, and so for that reason, I just don't see them. I don't see them going to uh to a, like a season tiebreaker based off of head-to-head or run differential or anything like that. Yeah, it's definitely a little Pollyannish. They 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 go for the ratings and they get the ratings. Look the. We all sit and watch, and, and, you know, the games have been exciting at times. Uh, you're out in Milwaukee, like we said. What do you expect to see? Brewers are hot going into this series against the Dodgers. What are you, what are you looking for here? 
I think it has the potential to be a really good series. Uh, you know, the, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're, they're the, one of the biggest, you know, high market or big market teams in baseball, high profile teams in baseball. But the Brewers have, they have a really good offense. Uh, they have a pretty good defense and they have a, an incredible bullpen. And I think what's going to be interesting in this series is how, how, how long do the Brewers' um, starting pitchers go? Uh, Gio uh, Gonzalez is pitching tonight. You know, is he going to go three innings? Is he going to go four innings? Is he going to go two innings? I think the goal is to kind of try to get him through the lineup at least once against a um, – and then kind of go to a right-hander, try to force the Dodgers and then making some substitutions and then kind of using their bullpen to the advantage so they can get some split, uh, some platoon advantages the rest of the way. And I think that's the way the Brewers are going to try to – try to do it they're going to lean really heavily on their bullpen in this postseason which has kind of been the trend the past few years you're killing jeff he hates the short <laughs> starter and the the bullpen yeah. action in the first inning and what like, happened to a, the the horse <laughs> what happened what He's happened such an old school fan <laughs> yeah well you know what though I, and i don't disagree i don't disagree with you i i think if the brewers had max scherzer or if they had you know um you know, a stud starter like 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 Clayton Kershaw, for instance, they would go with him in Game One and they would let him pitch as long as they possibly could. But the Brewers really don't have that guy, uh, you know, that 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 total workhorse guy. But they do have a ton of really awesome bullpen arms. So they're sitting there and going, "Now, why would we just go with the starter to go with the starter when he could get his brains beat in? When we could have him try to get through three innings, maybe." Um, get through a, a, a tough pocket of the lineup uh, and then go to a bullpen and really lock it down. And so I, I actually don't disagree with the, what the Brewers are doing, but I, I personally also like to see those big aces. Um, but, you know, if you don't have them, you know, why why try to pretend that you do have one? Jeff was also going off last week about Derek Jeter giving away lots of players, and one of them landed in Milwaukee with Christian Yelich. You want to talk a little bit for our listeners about the impact that he's had on that team? He's just been on fire. Yeah, Christian Yelich has been unbelievable, and it's a shame the uh, you know the Phillies couldn't get him. Uh, you know, I don't know what the what the Brewers were uh, the Marlins were asking the Phillies for Christian Yelich, but it was worth he it. Really yeah, he would have <laughs> solved a lot of he would have solved a lot of the Phillies' problems. Oh, we're gonna and, get but, there. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but Yelich is a guy that um, you know he was a, he was a very good player in Miami, and um, you know we we talked to him a little bit yesterday, and he says he kind of. Learned more about himself. He's learned more about his swing, and he has um, just kind of developed as a player. And now he's an MVP candidate, and he's locked up. I think his contract with the Brewers, which he signed with Miami, runs through like 2021, and with a team option 2022. So he's going to be here for the next several years. And uh, that trade right now looks like an absolute steal for the Brewers. Yeah, that's a problem for the Phillies. Me- Absolutely. Yeah. Meanwhile, with the Dodgers. They have very good starting pitching, but if I were the Dodgers, the one thing I'd be worried about is the relief pitching. Kenley Jansen had an injury before. How's he doing with that? I mean, he, yeah, he's given up a lot of home. I think I saw a number yesterday, like seven home runs in like 17 and two-thirds innings, you know, since he came back from his heart issue. Uh, that's that's certainly concerning. Yeah, it's kind of a tale of two pitching staffs. Or, you know, the, the, the Brewers we just talked about have a an awesome bullpen. They're going to be making tons of pitching changes and, and really leaning on those guys a lot. And the Dodgers are going to be going with uh, Kershaw and Ryu and, and, and um, Walker Bueller. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to get 
six, seven innings out of those guys to minimize the exposure of the bullpen. So uh, it's kind of, you know, you know uh, can the Brewers can, can the Brewers get to those? Can the Brewers work Kershaw, Bueller, et cetera, enough to get into that bullpen early and then really do some damages? I think it's going to be kind of fun to see how the, each team uses uses each of their strengths or their advantages. And the series I'm looking forward to is the Red Sox and Astros. Quick preview of what you think we can expect out of that. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that that's kind of the unofficial World Series, you know, the two best teams in baseball. I think that's going to be uh, a fun series. I hope I hope a series like that goes seven games. I hope so. Um, I'd love that drama. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that would be a lot of fun, you know, the back and forth. You know, even this series, I think, has, you know, Mock is obviously a small market team, but uh, they have a lot of exciting players, and I think, you know, if they could go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers, that would be great. But, um, you know, the Astros are playing great baseball right now. I think they got such a solid club, but but the but the Red Sox have you know, Mookie Betts and great offense. And, uh, I think that's going to be a fun series as well. So the real question there is: Is David Price actually going to start? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I, if he does, though, he does have pretty good career numbers um, against the Astros. Just not in the playoffs. So I, yeah, right. Yeah, in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think. But I think they're hoping that you know eventually it's going to turn around for him. But uh, but if he does, you know he, he does he does have some past success and enjoys some past success against them. It is amazing that he can be so dominant in the regular season and struggle so much in the postseason at times. It just you know you turn on the game and he's out of the game before you even realize what's going on sometimes. Um, moving on to the Phillies because obviously we're not in the playoffs right now. We spent the last week last few weeks going through the defensive woes the offensive challenges um what do you hear coming out of the season from the team they've said they're not going to make too many staff changes from the managerial side obviously they they have a flawed lineup and and need to make some changes what are you hearing going into the postseason or the offseason uh well I, I i hear that they you know that they would like to make a lot of changes that they need to make a lot of changes now i don't know exactly how many changes they need to make but but you know, in my opinion, they really need to shake up this roster a little bit. Um, and they need to shake up this roster a little bit because of the, in my opinion, because of just the season long issues that they had too many swings and misses, not enough balls in play. They had a very mediocre offense for, from, from day one through, through day 162. And you had, you know, arguably one of the worst defenses in baseball over the last 15, 16 years. Uh, they have to make some big time changes to improve that. And then also, you know, in, in my opinion, I, I really do think that they could stand the benefit by bringing in, you know, another starting pitcher. Now, I, I think the front office might disagree with me and say, oh, you know, Pavetta and Eflin and Velasquez, they all showed a lot of potential. If we could give them a better defense, their numbers are going to improve. Um, but if, if that is, but if that is the, the legitimate belief of the front office, then they really better improve that defense because you can't just, you know, give lip service to it and maybe make like one defensive improvement. Like I think you really need to kind of reshape that, that defensive, uh, the defensive position. Are they going to make some choices between these players? You know, you've got Hernandez and Kingery, you've got third base, you've got, you know, Hoskins potentially playing first base. Are they going to finally make some decisions with this team or, you know, Jeff and I joked earlier in the year, they basically had like a beer league softball lineup with three first basemen, playing on the infield in, in different games. It just seems like they got a bunch of pieces and they're not fitting together right. Yeah, I, I agree. And I 
do think they need to make some decisions. I think they need to move on from Michael Franco at third base. Um, I, I mean, I personally would do that. You know, you can def at the very least, you should be able to find a defensive upgrade from him. And I think, you know, most players have been producing more at third base than him. So that, that should go hand in hand. Like you should be able to find an upgrade at third base somewhere. Um, I, per I personally would move uh, Scott Kingery to second base and, and move on from Cesar Hernandez. You know, Cesar is a great on base guy. Uh, but I think we've seen his, his potential. He's, he had a down year as well. And I get the fact that they love on-base percentage, guys, and that's, that, that is super, super important. But I would move Scott Kingery back to his, his natural position, the position where he could potentially win a gold glove, and then maybe let him get back on track offensively that way. I, I would move on from Odubel Herrera. He didn't come into camp in shape. Uh, he had you know the worst year of his career. He was pretty Actually, he was one of the worst hitters in baseball from the middle of May, and and defensively, he took a huge step back. So uh, I would move on from him as well. You put Roman Quinn in, in center field and hope he can stay healthy. Um, you maybe move Reese Hoskins to first base. Jeff and I, I are loving cool. everything you're saying right Todd, now. Todd, can you yeah. be the manager of the Phillies next year, please? <laughs> yeah, I would love the paycheck. I would love the paycheck. <laughs> We've been screaming about these things on the radio for months now. Uh, the, yeah. the Roman Quinn yeah. thing just took way too long to happen in center. They just have a different lineup when he's there. I also don't understand. Wait, wait, wait. The Is, where where order. would you where would you put Roman yeah, Quinn in the lineup? In, in the lineup, because he would well, be our the line, well, Okay, Nine? so now you know. <laughs> well, I, well, if you if you have um, if you end up trading Cesar Hernandez, you could hit Roman Quinn first. That's uh, what I'd like to do because then you get speed yeah. on the bases and it drives pitchers nuts. And and you know Cesar has speed, but he doesn't steal bases, so it's kind of like what good is his speed? Right. Whereas Roman Quinn, he's got speed and he's not afraid to to, to steal bases. So you know he if he can work a walk or he can work a single, that's basically a double. Um, so that's why I would like him hitting first, and that's why I also would move on from Cesar. Like I said. Cesar's a very good player. I know Matt Clintac loves him. I know the front office loves him because of his on-base skills. But I just think sometimes, you know, you need to shake things up. You need to change the feel of the clubhouse. You need to change the feel of the field. And, um, you know, I, I still believe in Scott Kittering. He, he did not fare well offensively this year, but I do think he's got more in there. And uh, I know the Phillies are confident that he will not be as bad of, or he will improve and not, you know, not have a bad year like he had this year. All right, then so who like plays short? Well, the, you know that that that's the big what, hole right now. I I, th I think the, the it comes down to this. You know, do they sign Manny Machado or do they sign Bryce Harper? If they sign Manny Machado, now there's your shortstop. If they don't sign Manny Machado and say they sign Bryce Harper, and I think the Phillies are hoping to sign one of the two, and I think they really need to sign one of the two. So now say that they sign Bryce Harper in right field. I personally, I personally would just go with the best defensive shortstop I could find, and. Maybe I signed Freddy Galvis back on a one-year deal. Now, I know the front office loathes his offensive skills, <laughs> and I get it because he's not a good offensive player. Yeah, but either uh, is J.P. Crawford. <laughs> but either is J.P. Crawford, and, and Freddie can play defense ten times better than, than, than uh, J.P. Crawford can. So, again, that all, there's so many different moving pieces, though. Like that, That's kind of all of if I could snap my fingers and make it happen, what I might try to do. And I'm not even saying necessarily Freddie Galvis. I'm just talking about a guy that can really – catch the baseball like a good defensive shortstop and again again that's if if they sign Bryce Harper uh in right field you know that's if they find another third baseman like I personally would go after a guy like Mike Moustakis he's not a he's not an all-star necessarily but 
We've seen him in the playoffs here with the Brewers come up with a couple big hits. He's, he's an above-average defender. He's an above-average, uh, you know, an average or above, slightly above-average a hitter. And from what, all my accounts, when I heard, he's a tremendous clubhouse guy. And I, I do think the Phillies need that as well. I think they need more more positive vocal leaders in that clubhouse. Well, the one guy you didn't mention in all of that is Carlos Santana, though. Well, right. So uh, how Carlos is in, I I personally have a hard time imagining them having Reese Hoskins play every day at first base and Carlos Santana play the majority of time at, at third base. Now, they could get super creative, and uh, when there's a ground ball pitcher on the mound like Aaron Nola or Jake Arrieta, I guess they could have Santana play first and Hoskins play left, and then when there's a fly ball pitcher, they put Santana at third and Hoskins at first. I, I suppose that would work. But I, I think I would feel more comfortable trying to trade Santana uh, and, and, again, just kind of ridding yourself of that whole headache and uh, trying to fill some holes some other ways. Uh, and So before we move on to Jeff's last question about his love affair with Dusty Walton, um, the, the bullpen, uh, how do they feel about Sir Anthony Dominguez and the arms down there coming out of the season? Obviously he struggled a little bit towards the end of the season could have been fatigue, could have been a number of things. What do they feel they have and need to do? Well, I think they feel like they have they have a good foundation there with Dominguez, with Victor Arano, with with uh, Dubrai Ramos. Um, you know, they feel that they do have some some pretty decent pieces. But certainly, the, you know, Tommy Hunter, he he actually ended up finishing the season fairly strong. I know his first half was, was not very good, but he ended up finishing the season very, fairly strong. Um, but, but there's no doubt they could certainly go after, you know, they could certainly use another arm down there, a lockdown arm. I, I think it would be interesting to see if they would go after somebody like Craig Kimbrell in the offseason, uh, really give him a, a rock-solid ninth-inning guy and, and, and uh, you know, have Dominguez then float from the seventh and eighth inning, Rano. Uh, you know, you have a couple left-handers down there. They could bring back Luis Avilan, who's under team control. Uh, Adam Morgan actually finished the season fairly strong. Um, I, I do think that they have some pretty the makings of a pretty good bullpen. I do think their bullpen at times was a strength. It struggled a little bit down the stretch. Uh, but the way the game is going right now, you need a really good bullpen. And that's why I would be I would be interested at least. I don't know if they would share my opinion, but I would be interested in going after somebody like Kimbrell. And Jeff uh, really wanted Dusty Walton to be considered for the Phillies manager job. I hesitated sending him the story last night that he will be interviewing for the Texas Rangers job. Your thoughts on him interviewing there and his future as a potential manager. And Jeff, uh, be, be gentle as, as you listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, Dusty would make a great manager, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's going to be interviewing for, for the Rangers job. You know, he was he was one of the finalists. He was one of the three finalists for the Phillies job. John Farrell, the former Red Sox manager, was the other before Gabe got the job. But Dusty, from what I heard, interviewed very well. I heard a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, push for him to get the job or at least get the interview. And I think that it was looked at as a, as a good first step in terms of uh, making that eventual you know, uh, move towards becoming a big league manager. I think I think Dusty's a smart guy. I think he's into the analytics, which you have absolutely have to be nowadays. He has a firm understanding of it. Uh, but I also think what makes him good is he's he's a really easy guy to talk to, and I think he's a really good communicator. And I think that's a big part of the job too. Um, I think he's an easier guy to talk to 
than than Gabe Kapler, in my opinion. Um, you know, Gabe Gabe can be a little, um, I guess, formal or you know, I mean, he, you know, he he just talks differently than 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 you or I than, than you or I talk, and I think that you know, players definitely sense that and feel that, and I think Dusty has more of a natural way about him. So I think maybe his style could could play really really well in the big league clubhouse. Jeff, how do, how do you take that? I, I've watched Dusty from the time that he was with the Blue Claws all the way up, and I just thought that the way he handled players, uh, and and the way the way that he manages a game, and and I think it translated to the major leagues because I thought he did a great job at third base. I think only two players yeah. were thrown out all year, and I just I think the players trust him when when he's telling them whether to go home or not. Did you see that? that- yeah, absolutely. I thought he, I thought he did do a really good job. In fact, there was one game this year, boy, and he, I, I couldn't tell you what what day, what month of the season was. It was probably one of the final two months of the season. Don't remember the, what team it was, but he had a honestly, he had a really bad send, and I remember this, and, and it was it was jarring almost because it was like, man, Dusty never makes a mistake in terms <laughs> of sending guys home, and that was the first time we were going like what was he thinking on that play? And I, and to me, that's actually a very high compliment of a third base coach. When you're sitting there late in the season and you're going, man, he never screws up. And that was a bad screw up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's third base, there's been third base coaches for the Phillies where you're going, Oh my God, man, he's been, he's had a lot of bad sends lately. Uh, but Dusty never always seemed to know what was going on. Always seemed to, you know, have a good feel for the ball being played off the wall. The, the speed of the runner on the bases, you know, the arm of the uh, of the right fielder, the left fielder, the center fielder, and I, I would say, 95 times out of 100, he made a really, really strong read, uh, whether or not to hold a guy or whether or not to send a guy. All right, well, I got I got one last question for you. How ha- have you seen Bob Euchre, and how happy is he right now? <laughs> uh, I have not seen Euchre yet, but but he actually is meeting with the media, doing a little press conference <laughs> earlier, and uh, I've gotten a chance to talk to him a couple times over the years, and. You know, he played for the Phillies for a season or two back in the 60s with Gene Mock. And a few years ago, I wrote a book, um, and I, I did a little chapter on Bob Euchre sharing some of his funny stories. And he had some great stories. You know, when Scott Kingery got pinch hit for him, remember, early this, uh, late this season, the second inning before uh, before he even got a before chance he, to bat. Before he even got a chance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Bob, that actually legitimately happened to Bob Euchre. Um, in the 60s, <laughs> Gene Mock pulled him out of the game. Now, the difference is Euchre actually had already hit once in the game. Um, but he got pinch hit for, I think, in the third inning, whereas Scott Kingery didn't get a chance to hit, and that kind of reminded me of that. But, but uh, Euchre's a real – I mean, he's, he's the best, man. I, I grew up in Milwaukee. Um, he's kind of like my Harry Cal, so, I, you know, he, uh, he's kind of like the voice, of, uh, the voice of my childhood in a lot of ways. So this weather will be perfect for you. So enjoy. A- absolutely, yeah. Well, you, uh, you have fun. We hope you get to come across him and definitely look forward to talking to you again. Always enjoy having you on, Todd. Have a good time out there. Hey. Thanks, guys. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great one. Jeff, always fun to have him on. Yeah. Well, I, I, look, don't you kind of want it, want Milwaukee to advance? I mean, first of all, it's the Dodgers. Who wants the Dodgers to win? <laughs> but but, your, but uh, your team Mil- selections Mil- fascinate me. You're rooting for Milwaukee and Boston right now. Well, Bo- Boston, Boston, you have a, a yeah, personal reason. I, I have a personal have a reason. Yeah I, have, yeah, I have somebody who's very ill, and I think this will be the last time he gets to see them. But uh, with regard to um, Milwaukee, it's a team that's never won the World Series. So... I don't even know if they've ever have they been to the World Series. I don't think so. I don't even think during the Robin Yount years. Why, why are you ask me these questions on the air? 
I don't know. What do you want me to do? Ask Prepare you, for you, the you, show? You, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to ask right. so much well, of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that that was great. It was great to have Todd on. So let's get since it's going to start being cooler. Yes. Now it it's seems appropriate weather. to talk football it's weather football when weather. it's not 80 degrees outside. So before we, could I rant for a sec before we go to yeah. the Eagles? Yeah. So we've now had two games since we were last on the air. Yeah. Last Sunday, the Eagles played at 425. Uh-huh. Were you watching what happened at 425? Or at 423, basically? Oh, when they cut off the last thirty, the last the, six seconds the of the 63 game? The 63-yard kick for Graham right. Cano, yeah. and they flipped to a car commercial? It was, the was Heidi, so sad. It was the Heidi game all over again. I don't care about... I, I hate those league rules. Yeah. I, it, the only good thing was I had red zone, yeah. so I flipped right to it and still caught the end. Look of at that—a little free advertising. Yeah, for the I, red it's zone. the greatest invention ever. Yeah. So, again. as a uh, Survivor football fan, right? I picked the Panthers that game, oh. and I was really nervous. And I was like, "Let's see this kick," uh, see, and it goes a commercial. I was like, what happened? See, if <laughs> I would if I would have known that, you would have more fun with it. Yeah. Then I would have been even more upset that I couldn't have watched the end of that. <laughs> it, it just it drove me nuts. I can't right. stand the window. Well, rules. We, okay. we we could talk a little Eagles now, and then we have a surprise guest who's not really a surprise because we announced it. But we have the new uh, interim general manager of the Blue Coats after the break, and then we can go back to football. You want to do that? All right, we'll talk a couple minutes, Eagles. All right, um, go ahead. So talk the good. The well. I mean, the good is they came off of a bad loss and they won the game. That's the good. Right. They're back to three and three uh-huh. after starting two and three. They're only the eighth defending Super Bowl and, champion. And how good and did Carson Wentz look? Very in, good. In, in but bad weather. Very good. Um, By the I, way, I had to remind somebody. Somebody said to me yesterday, this is going to be horrible. It's bad weather. I said, you do realize Carson Wentz played in, played in North Dakota. Yeah, he's not worried yeah. about bad weather. I he went twenty. He, he went 26 of 36 for 278 yards. But on third down, they were 13 of 14 for 168 yards. Me- meanwhile, on third down, the Giants had a string of over 15. Yeah, it wasn't. Dating um, back to, I think, week four or week the three. The Giants are bad at football. Can we just agree on that? Well, the, not all of the Giants. There is one Giant who's really good. Saquon and he Barkley, is going to be man. a complete waste to have on that team. He's fun to watch. He, he's he got moves. I yeah. mean, he's got it all because he's Barry Sanders had those moves. You know, they did that That's super the imposing. It was really annoying. Now but it's not. He's not the same <clears throat> running back because he's got, Saquon Barkley has the moves, but he's got size that he can he can run in the middle. Barry Sanders was, I mean, it was he was the most fun running back I've ever watched in, oh, in my life. Awesome, uh, but he did not get hit. He he was uh, uh, he was a sideline runner for the most part, and he would spin and stuff. But he would avoid. Saquon hits. looks for contact. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, the problem the problem is nobody can catch him. But the amazing thing is he, there were a couple he ran times right he went through the line. He just once he hit literally the line of scrimmage, it was just like this burst. And like that's but the it's funny a thing is that the defense dominated the game. I mean, they were in Eli's face all night, interceptions, fumbles, four sacks. They still gave up 401 yards. <laughs> and so it's like it didn't feel like that. There were some there were four really big plays that the, the Giants had. The thing is though, th- this this team, this division is awful. 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 There's no way that the Eagles could not win this division. Well, there are ways. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they this can. division is bad at football. Yeah. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey looked good last night. Yes. He looked very good. Uh, 12 And that's targets. what we talked about a couple weeks ago is, you know, when Carson Wentz first came back, he didn't have his weapons. But all the wide receivers looked good last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar had a good game. Jordan yes. Matthews contributed. Um, you know. That was a nice pickup. 
I didn't know if it would be, but the the fact that he had familiarity with with Carson Wentz and that they had a relationship before him, he seems to have fit right into the offense. He knows perfectly. he knows the offense. Yeah. He knows the quarterback. He mm-hmm. knows his role, which is important in this offense. Right. Um, you know, you you had the the tight ends looking good last night with with Ertz and Goddard both there. I enjoyed the leadership that they showed on the sideline with Ertz putting his arm around Goddard and saying, "Look, enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Good things to see there." Um, Okay, running backs. Let's talk. This no, no, no. What, what, we could talk about the running backs he have. We could talk. Well, go ahead. Let, go. Let's talk about it before the break for a minute. So, Corey Clement had a good game. Eleven carries for forty-three yards. Yep. Wendell Smallwood keeps fumbling the ball. I know. Um, it, it got returned, but that leads to the conversation of: Would you trade for one of the running backs out there? Yes. You would trade for one of them, but yes. the one of them is not Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> you, you asked one. <laughs> one of them is not Le'Veon Bell for I, you. I would, the, I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole because you don't want him as a player in the locker room, or you don't think it's worthwhile the compensation you have to go up to get him. Yes and yes, but it's a combination. You can't separate the two. the The thing, the thing I about it is, <laughs> well, you're going to try, and I'm just going to put it back together. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> answer, answer this. Why does why is Le'Veon Bell causing all the trouble that he's causing in Pittsburgh? Because he wants a new contract. Right. And why is he not there right now? Because he's not getting a new contract. Right. So the Eagles. This and, I like this game. <laughs> you're two for two. <laughs> Yay. The, so now you have that problem. He gets traded to the Eagles. Does he have his money? Does he want to get hurt before his, before he could sign a big deal? deal big deal? No. So well, I'm he, guessing you're looking for more out of me than no. No, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you like it when I just say I, one word. Exactly. You keep talking. You know, in depositions, this is what this is the way I like my clients to answer their questions. No. <laughs> so so why would you want him here? Right. He is not going to give max effort. So you wouldn't get Le'Veon Bell. Would you get LeSean McCoy? Yes. Because you think he's good enough, or you? Because I think about he, the I think he wants to risk. come back here. I think he does like the city. I, I mean, look, I think he's he's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I think he likes this city, and and I it was Chip Kelly he didn't really like, right? Hmm. Yes. Fair to say. I don't think he still yeah, likes. By Chip the way, Kelly. Chip Kelly's doing a bang up job in UCLA. Oh, we're gonna get to yeah. that. We're gonna so, get to that. So, so he comes back. He wants to play hard, and he can fit within. The scheme that already exists. If if Bell comes, you got to keep giving Bell the ball. Yeah. Or he's going to start pouting. All right. I'm going to let you so. have the last word there as we head to the break. Stick with us. When we come back, we're going to be joined by new interim general manager for the Delaware Bluecoats, Matt Lilly. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. 
Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. We are delighted to be joined by Matt Lilly, the newly minted interim GM of the Delaware Bluecoats. Matt, how you doing? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Congratulations. Exciting time for you and for the team. Uh, What's this been like for you? A little whirlwind right now, right? Uh, Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, It's definitely a a time of year where where for the G League there's a lot of activity. You see a lot of the the training camp signings around the NBA. They're going to have G League impacts and, and open tryouts and everything. So this is uh, this is definitely a busy time of year for us, and, and even more so when you're when you're transitioning into a new role. So you were the director of basketball operations and, and scouting with the Bluecoats and, and got to work real close with Elton Brand. What's it like, obviously, now that he's the GM of the team, and, and what was it like to work with him? Yeah, I'm really excited uh, for Elton and, and his new opportunity. I know he's fired up about it. Um, you know, when – when the news came out and, and he found out that, that he was going to be the guy, um, just everyone, honestly, in the whole organization from, from Delaware to everyone up here in, in Philly, everyone's really excited for, for him and, and his opportunity. Um, for me to be able to work so closely with him the last year plus, uh, it's been really invaluable for me to kind of grow as a, as a professional and, and, and learn from him. Um, just his, his leadership, his his professionalism, the way he carries himself. It's been, um, you know, it's been a great experience to, to work so closely with him. And um, more than anything, he's just a, a really, really great human being to, to kind of be around. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to, to have that relationship. So, Matt, you got a lot of stuff on your plate real quickly. Um, as you said, first you have the NBA has got to cut down their teams, which makes more players available. You also have the G League draft coming up on October 20th, and you have two first-round picks. For, for people that, that are learning more about the G League, can you explain how the G League draft works? Sure. Uh, so basically anyone, anyone right now that is a, a basketball free agent, NBA, international, anyone that's, that currently doesn't have a team, um, primarily guys that, that have not played in the in the G League before. Um, if, if they're looking to to get into the G League, this is sort of their their opportunity. Um, and there's there be a pretty big pool of guys, and and it's a it's a four round draft coming up next Saturday on the twentieth. Um, and some guys have have you know some teams have portions of their rosters completed already with with guys coming back from last year and and guys that have come through their NBA teams camps. But this is another opportunity to to add some talent and, and round out the roster and hopefully find a diamond in a rough where you look at the last couple of years, there's been some guys come through the draft process, not even be high picks, be second round picks and, and make it not only on the G league level, but, but reach their NBA dream. You look at a guy like Jalen Morris last year, who was a second round pick for Erie and ends up getting called up to Atlanta is now, now a two way player for the bucks. Who's a division two guy, pretty far off the radar. Um, goes through the draft process, finds a finds a good situation, plays well, and and earns his way to the to the NBA. Uh, so it, it's an opportunity for for some guys that maybe weren't so far on the radar um, to come in and, and earn a spot and and see what they can get beyond that. So with your roster minus that, what you have to do with the draft, how close are you to finalizing that roster? Um, it, Technically, right now we don't have any players. Um, we've got some guys that Not we close. Uh, that, that we 
that we're fairly confident are going to sign their sign their G League contracts and and that we'll accept under our roster. Um, we've got some some open tryout guys that we've submitted from from the open tryouts that we hold every year. We had three this year, um, guys that signed Exhibit 10 contracts that came through Sixers camp have have some incentive to sign in with the bonus that's attached to that. So, um, you know, we're working on getting those guys committed to, to Delaware this year. So we've got we've got a handful of guys that we um, are, are fairly confident are going to be with us. Um, obviously, the two that we know for sure are, are Demetrius Jackson, Shake Milton. Uh, the two-way contract players for for Philly, um, which is uh, a really really good start to kind of put the roster together. Just two uh, high character individuals and, and Demetrius and Shake that are you know we're, we're lucky that are also really talented. On top of that, can you talk about the importance of the two-way contracts for the league and and for both the Blue Coats and the Sixers to have that flexibility where the players can get the experience at the pro level but also come back and play with the G League team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been great so far. We're only a year into to kind of the two-way contract era, uh, but I, I think some teams and some players have gotten really good use out of it, whereas uh, some players are getting NBA opportunities that they may not have otherwise, and it's an opportunity for them where, um, you know, usually if you're – there's the 450 guys in the NBA, and and historically if you're not in that 450, you, you never really have the opportunity to – to step into an NBA ga- NBA game and and show that you actually belong, uh, whereas now we've got these 60 spots on top of that that are, um, you know, kind of fall in their own bucket as as two way players, but they actually get to come up and and suit up and and go against the best and and kind of prove that they belong. Um, and there there's some guys that that did that last year and uh, played well and and kind of proved to be NBA guys and turn that into turn that into real contracts this year. Um, then from the from the team perspective, it's just great to have two extra guys that are in your system. They can pull up when you need them. Um, and just at, at this level, we're always kind of scouring the world for, for talent. So it's, it's just good to be able to have two more guys, um, you know, that we can, we can evaluate and, and develop and have hands-on hands-on work with them, with our coaching staff and, and try and mold them into future Sixers. So Matt, once you check off the box of picking the roster, you have, Two big openings this year. You have you have a, a, your first home game. I'm using in quotes at on November 20th in uh, the Wells Fargo Center, which should be fun. And then you have your own opening uh, at the new Fieldhouse in January. First off, with regard to uh, playing in the Wells Fargo Center, what's that experience looking like? I mean, what what's it like for G League players to play in an arena of that size? Yeah, we, we had two games there last year, um, and it's it is a good experience for our guys to get in there and and be in an NBA facility and, and step onto an NBA court. Um, it's just you know it, it's there's always something special about about stepping out there and walking through the the same tunnel as as all the guys that have that have been there and played before them. Um, so we're really excited for uh, you know for our first game there. Uh, there are two games last year, actually 11 a.m. Uh, day games. Uh, this one's this one's uh, at night, so we're um, you know hoping to get a big crowd and pretty fired up about it. And, and then uh, in January, excuse me, in January you have the Field House, which from all the renderings looks gorgeous. Uh, are, are you excited for for that new that new arena? Uh, yeah, excited is an understatement. <laughs> uh, we really are are thrilled to kind of step into this new space uh something we've been working towards for a few years and 
it's going to be a, a state-of-the-art facility. That's that's the best in the G League. Uh, it's going to be a, a great, you know, place for our players and our staff to work and and continue to get better. Uh, but on top of that, it's going to be a place for the the community kind of to come together for for a bunch of different events that are going to be hosted there. Um, so we're we're really excited to have kind of our home and our our headquarters be right there in Wilmington. Can you talk a little bit about the partnership with the community? It seems really exciting, the opportunity that's going to be there for different organizations to use the facility, events to be held there. It just seems like a really good opportunity for both the, the local area and for the team to kind of engage together in this in this uh, endeavor. Yeah, we, we've always prided ourselves on, on getting out and being involved in the community. Um, but the Wilmington area specifically, I think, has been in need of a, of a space like this, a venue like this. Um, so I think it's coming at a great time where um, obviously it's going to be, like I said, a really great home base for us. Um, but there's there's going to be a ton of programs for the community, especially the youth, that, that are going to get a lot of use out of, out of the building. Um, so we're going to continue growing our, our presence in the community, especially in Wilmington, and uh, having our players and our staff involved. Uh, but the, the facility itself, the field house, is, is going to play a huge role in that. Well, it looks like the Wilmington community is is really embracing you. Um, what's it What's it like to play move you from a college campus type atmosphere in Newark up to Wilmington? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a it's a little different feel going from uh, from Newark to Wilmington. Like you said, Newark uh, being there on Main Street, it's definitely got a college feel. Um, Wilmington, you know, it's kind of its own city. Uh, up there a little north and there's the blue rocks are there already obviously uh, but we're excited to kind of take our own foothold and and have a presence and and you know hopefully get some big crowds at our games and, and win some games well we we can't wait to see all the exciting things you guys do in the community we wish you the best of luck with it look forward to working with you guys this season putting out all the great things that the blue coats are doing so thanks so much for taking the time to join us today awesome thank you guys i appreciate it have a great one take care matt you too Jeff, that's, that's exciting stuff. I mean, new arena, you know, basically rebranded new team. I love the integration with the, the NBA teams that they have with the G League. It's just a really cool opportunity. You know, you know, I, I went to law school at Pitt, and they ha- I just picture the, the field house that they build, built at Pitt, the, or the older one. And that kind of reminds me a little bit of, at least in my mind, what it's going to be like at, at the new house. facility. It's going to be loud. It, that's what I picture. I mean, maybe it's from what I've seen of the renderings and the the glass on one side, I can just picture the sound getting in there. And it's going to be an atmosphere that that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be fun. And as we mentioned on last week's show, a few weeks from now in early November, we'll kick off our regiment show where we will uh, be the official show of the Bluecoats throughout the season to to highlight what's going on with the team and have interviews with People like the general manager, different players. So we, we thank the team for having them join us, and uh, we can't wait to go forward with that. And we'll be talking about the standings each week as, as the uh, Bluecoats march to the playoffs. It's going to be lots of fun. Jeff, uh, did you wake up early on Monday for the Sixers in China? I, well, I didn't wake up early, but I did watch it. Did you watch it? I did it? watch part of it. Do you enjoy yeah. basketball and breakfast? I do. I mean, we, we talked about it last week. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like... Like if you watch uh, EPL soccer, 
you know, on Sunday mornings, you can you can watch a soccer Look game. At you, Mister Soccer Fan. Now I know. I don't know what happened to me. I really, I really don't know. I'm breaking uh, you down, Jeff. I, I'm very disappointed in my own self. Uh, how do you feel about? But this? I do watch those games on Sunday. As much as I like to yeah. like EPL with you, yeah. I'm gonna stick to the Sixers for a sec. How do you feel about the team going into the season now that they've played four preseason games? You've seen faults on the court. You've seen what the team is. What are your thoughts? Chandler, obviously, injured going into the season. You know what's funny? Pic- picture two years ago. Like, the thought of making the playoffs was such a far-off thing. Playoffs? Yeah. Now, I'm just trying to win a game. <laughs> now, we're, now we're at a point where nothing will be acceptable in this city unless they make the final, at least well, the Eastern Conference. Have you seen Conference the East? I mean, well, no. Look, the Celtics are going to. Celtics the, are a problem. Uh, the, although I have to tell you, somebody who grew up on the Sixers Celtics rivalry, you love that it's back. The, the fact that there's a chance that this is back and that there's a beaten up on it's each gonna other. It's going to get nasty too. These players are going to talk a lot to each other, and it's going to turn into. So they're going to. It, well, they don't already. It's going to get. A lot more of what Philly fans remember from Sixers Boston because <laughs> the the players that are on each of these teams are not wallflowers. They're going to talk and they're going to get tweet. under each other's skin. They're going to they're tweet. They're going to tweet. That's exactly <laughs> right. There there has been some some Twitter discussion this week that just baffles me that players have now taken tweeting to you know, Joel Embiid is is kind of the king of smack talk for the NBA. But did you by the before we go back to the Sixers, the Twitter debate with Josh Norman this week? No. So, what did I miss? So my, my, you know the the Saints but, beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Or not the scout the, they beat the uh, Redskins. Yeah. And and Michael Thomas. Oh, the the was, angle he took on the play. Oh yeah. For, he well he he let like three a.m. right after the game or the the night after the game he said stuff about Josh Norman. Josh Norman tweeted back some statistic that they didn't beat him. That they beat the other guy, which, by the way, great teammate. It's and it's not social media's fault. It Mike, reveals who people so really are. So they went are. back and forth, and all of a sudden, Josh Thomas, I mean, Josh Norman deleted his whole Twitter discussion. And, of course, Michael Thomas you can't then pointed. Delete you, you, you can't. You, you, it just brings once, once you go down that road. Look, once you, you go there, you need to stand there. <laughs> That's right. All right. I want to do a whip around of some different sports ideas before we get back to the Eagles real fast. Ready? All right. Mr. Lawyer. Yes. Colin Kaepernick wants to trademark his likeness. Yes. Can he do this? Yeah. Uh, you and I were talking beforehand. You said, well, you said, well, can you just, can it, can well, sometimes anybody? Sometimes he has cornrows. Sometimes he's got it out. Right. So what's well, he actually well, trademarking? So, so, so let's be clear. He's not, it's not his head in any form that he's trademarking. He is trademarking the specific design that was submitted to the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So there is a design of his face with certain markings on his face drawn a certain way with his hairstyle the way it is. You can, he doesn't it's not then trademarked if he changes his hairstyle just because it's his face. Do you think he'll get the trademark? Yes. Okay. But but here's the thing. Is it a good thing that players are trademarking their likenesses? Yes. And and, and it, it's not for the reason you is think this it because is. Because you're a lawyer and you want more people to trademark <laughs> things or is this a, an honest sports opinion? No, this is an How are you informed th- by this th- comment? This this is this is you're going to be surprised. I don't think it's good to trademark it because you can make money off of it. Although he's starting Kaepernick is starting to do that. Mm-hmm. Um it's more as a protective thing so that other people don't benefit off of their likeness. Well, if, uh, if if I if I'm a player who has worked as hard as he or she has worked to get to the point of their career that they are at, 
why should somebody else benefit off of it? I'll give you an example, and it's not just a player, because I, I believe this applies to teams, too. It drives me bananas when I leave a Phillies game or an Eagles game or a Flyers game or a Sixers game and go to the corner as I'm walking to my car and see somebody selling stuff for $7 or $10 each. Now, it's great for the consumer because you're paying a lot less money. But the the things that they have on there are trademarked. And it has value. And those people should not be able to sell it. You, you could talk more about I that. I think it's wrong. And so now you you take it to the granular, granular level as, as far as a player goes. And why should somebody else be benefiting off of your likeness, taking your identity? Wasn't from that it? the whole argument for the college basketball NCAA games that they were making money off the likeness of the players yes. because they yeah. looked like them? Uh-huh. Okay, so we'll leave that there. Which was kind of a bummer because after Desmond Howard was on the cover of, uh, it went away. Yeah. You're so disappointed. Of I course, know. a Michigan guy has to ruin it for everybody. So, they but if anybody that. has one of the Desmond Howard cover, you want it? I do want it. Okay, yes. we'll work on yeah. that. Uh, the Sixers filed a trademark for trust the process. Same, Your thoughts? Same thing applies. Uh, this is something you're that, surprised it uh, took this long. I am very surprised it took this. This is not. It's not like something that just happened, so, people. So can Joel Embiid trademark himself as the process, and the Sixers can trademark trust the process? You can't. You, like, how does that work? It has to be unique, and, and the, so the question is: is whether the process is unique? I don't. I don't even know. We should look at this. I don't know if Allen Iverson ever tra- tried to trademark the, the answer. answer. Um, so I. I think it might be difficult for him to trademark the a, phrase a the process, basically. Yeah, but trust the process might be unique enough because it's a that, unique phrase. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing: other people were using it beforehand. They already said that. I forget who it was, but somebody was using it in connection with what the Sixers were going through. So if there was somebody that was using it beforehand... They would do, have first right to it? Y- you might. Well, there's a... there's a We, would have, right, we don't have that long for a now. discussion. We should have a discussion All on right. it because I think it's important. We'll do that point. another week. Yeah. I want to move on to golf for one second. So Phil and yeah, Tiger... Please let it be one second. I love golf, but this is stupid. Phil so, and Tiger yeah. are having a golf tournament you don't, need, you don't need my opinion now. I already gave it to you. For yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, we have our opinions about whether or not they should be playing golf, but they're not going to sell any tickets to the event. Stupid. Missed opportunity, right? Give the money to charity. Raise awareness for something. Uh, correct? Yes. And, and let's face it. As much as I don't think fans should become the event, like... If I, I if I was standing next to a guy at a golf tournament, so it's just gonna be the two who, of them walking on an empty golf course. Something stupid when when like you Bob hit Bob a tee. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna say that, that guy. one, but yes. I hate that guy. It, it it it's not one guy. There's just a whole bunch of stupid people out there that think that they or the need person to put, that yells get in the hole after you put it because that's gonna help it go in the hole. Well, and they're not doing it. They want to be. It's an attention thing. Yes, but. The I may crowd, just start yelling out things the, while we're in studio so I get attention. Great. Yeah. The, cr- the crowd is part of an event. And it yeah, is. Yeah, I bu- want a happy Gilmore crowd out there for these guys. Ha- having just a bunch of cameramen follow Tiger and Phil around on a golf course for four hours does not. I mean, I wasn't paying for it before anyway. I love golf, and there's no way I'm paying for this. But so I have to go to somebody else's house you to do. watch it. You are not strolling over to my house. <laughs> I was to wondering watch it. where my invitation is. Well, oh, by the way, it's over. I think it's over Thanksgiving weekend too. So, so we you could make us dinner. And I get we'll leftovers. Over. <laughs> I, I'm okay with leftovers. I, I don't mind. I'm not picky. I'll be at the Clemson South Carolina game. All right. Uh, but but I think the whole thing is. I think it's ridiculous at this point. And and worse, 
this is the kind of event that could be such a disaster because it's just one-on-one. I don't know how, I don't think they've figured out what the rules are. If it is a straight play 18 holes, whoever is the lowest score wins, the likelihood of them being within a couple strokes of each other is not very good. It has to be a skins game. That's the only way this works. All right. We will watch the rules as we go forward. Uh, on the Flyers front, Gritty came in like a wrecking ball, Jeff. <laughs> Boy, are you. You're witty for Gritty, aren't you? I'm just all oh. over these for you. Uh, your reaction to Gritty basically overshadowing the poor performance for uh, the Flyers so, at their home. So I'm wa- and I'm going to go down. Uh, I get to see Gritty firsthand tomorrow. But... Um, Sadly. Take a picture um, no. with him. No, thank you. Come on. Do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, pro- the problem I have was it, in watching the home opener is that it the home the opener. played terrible? Well, <laughs> there <laughs> was the that. the problem that I had. <laughs> there was that. But before we knew that the team was going to play horrible, the entire opening seemed to be more focused on Gritty the mascot than the team. And and so to you, me that you you foreshadows think the should be repelling from the ceiling. And no, not the I think I think this foreshadows that the Flyers felt they needed something because we were in for another potential. We might make the playoffs as a seven eight seed and go out in the first round, or just miss the playoff season, which is you know the last forty years or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so sad. To say. It, it it really is, but you know. To me, as a fan, I I like the beginning of the game and the the thing they do on the scoreboard and stuff. I think they do a great Did job. Did they with add that. gritty to that? I don't know. I'll t- I'll let you know <laughs> next week after I see this. But uh, I really don't need to see too much of gritty. All right, a uh, couple minutes left. Let's go over real fast. Uh, Van Riemsdyk already out five to six weeks with a lower bottom in- injury. Nolan Patrick out ten days. The Flyers signed a free agent goalie, Picard. And Captain then John Luke Picard then, from the Starship Enterprise, and then didn't play him while Brian Elliott was getting waxed. And, and by the way, he's got gritty on his helmet. Already. He does have gritty yeah. on his helmet. Uh, but I just I don't know what to make of it. I, I'm not I'm not sold on Hackstall as as a as a player. Coach. I'm not sold on their defense. Well, that's that, <laughs> that's what I'm or the goalie for that matter. But uh, I, I think it's the second and third lines of the defense. It's a well, problem. But here here's the the problem I have with what he did. He left his veteran goalie out there to get massacred, which he did. Yeah, and and, and because the the story I heard was because he didn't want to get Picard tired because he was going to start the next day. Oh, poor guy! Come on, All right, really? Well, speaking of goalies, you went out last Saturday night to Lehigh Valley and saw Carter Hart. I did. What did you see out there? I I saw a guy that that can play goalie. Um, I just don't want him rushed. He's still 20 years old. When he took off... Oh, so, okay, patient Jeff is he, here in studio with he, me now. He took his mask off. You're, like, okay. excited. You're grabbing the mic. You're really into no, this. Carter Hart got you excited. Because he took the mask off, and he looks like... A goalie? No, he looks like he's 12. Well, and he's, he's like, he, he's 19, 20. 20. He's 20. He just turned 20. And what I'm worried about is that this is just going to pick up steam, and they're going to bring him up here, and I just don't hope they Well, if the goalies keep up. giving up all the goals I know, are. but but you can't just rush him up. you got to give him time. You can see there are holes in his game, but you can also see that there is incredible promise in him. Uh, what I always hate about a bad goalie is a guy that's constantly moving his feet all over the place, and he just looks like he's in constant motion back and forth across the crease. That's not Carter Hart. Carter Hart, it looks like a more veteran guy. He is very quiet with his lower body. So how long is patient Jeff going to last? Half a season. 
Okay, so yeah. you you have a half season until you see Carter Hart coming up. You think that'll give him the experience? Maybe. I mean, now you have Stolarz and Lyon that are back healthy. You used to have Neuwirth who's still around the corner. It's just that Brian Elliott's not the answer. They have a lot of goalies. None of them are just good enough. Yeah. I mean, that's and mm-hmm. the defensive breakdowns. I mean, I thought the defense had and, to be and losing this Van Riemsdyk this close. I mean, look, the team's going to score goals. And by the way, the league is given. There's a lot more goals, and they said that the pads are now there's smaller. a lot of goals. There, being there scored. do seem to be a lot of goals, which I think is. I a don't good mind thing. for my fantasy hockey league, except oh, for when God, it's against my go, goaltender. Yeah. I knew that I could make you lose it before the end of the show. See, I can get rid of Com Jeff by talking yeah. about fantasy. You might hockey. have had people turn the dial off with the old fantasy okay, hockey it's last, discussion. It's the last minute. Don't worry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you don't um, want to do your little college football? Well, we can. can, can so. Well, can can I just tell people what I have in front of me? So Jason has here that that uh, big national games that we should discuss. Two, Georgia versus LSU, 13. 12, Michigan versus 15, Wisconsin. Seven, Washington versus 17, Those Oregon. are the big games. Local games. Temple versus Navy. I got it. Villanova plays James Madison. That's our station. Rutgers versus Maryland. You cannot say football and Rutgers in the same paragraph. So Flyers fans yeah. the other night in the home opener got so let's a, go Rutgers? Got a glimpse of what it's like to be a Rutgers football no, fan. They didn't. If they had score no, if they had close. score alerts set up <laughs> on their phone, every time you look down, there's a new score alert that somebody scored against your team. That's what it's like to be a Rutgers football fan. I still root for them, but they had a blackout the other day and nobody came. Like, all you could see was the red from the maybe, seats. Maybe, maybe that's what they thought. Maybe they thought blackout meant nobody comes. Oh, it's not on TV. It doesn't exist. Look, I look. I, I have a big question for you, okay? So I was I was at two years ago, the 77 to nothing I know you were football game. Rutgers versus, will it be a bigger differential it this year? It could be. They're worse this year. Look, my <laughs> freshman year, they were 0-11 and ranked the worst team in college, ba- college football. Yeah. And when you went to – look, they used to – Give you tickets with a hot dog and a bus ride over there just to get you just, just take, into the just stadium. take the hot dog and go. They would have fed you if you would have gone to the game. <laughs> but it's I mean they're back to that. They're it's just it's terrible. How I, I don't understand it. It's it's a school. Jeff, we have the ten seconds. I cannot explain Rutgers' disaster <laughs> in ten seconds. Oh, can I then? Can I just say one thing? Did you see before the game when one of the Eagles players was trying to uh, get the team up? I think it might have been Malcolm Jenkins, and he said he he said. Um, This is not New York. This is New Jersey. It is New Jersey. (laughs) That's going to be the last word for the day. Thank you so much for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. Bye-bye.